So, devout in entering the sacred, the sense of um, including it all, including it all. There's uh, nothing that's unresolved, none of the human potentials that haven't been understood, recognized, brought to resolution. All the you know, circuitry of our systems, our sorrows and joys, aspirations, despair, small mindedness, and grand heartedness, they've all been acknowledged, seen, understood, unfolded, met. And resolution has occurred. This is our story. This is the story of uh, awakening or enlightenment or fulfillment. So consider it as a fulfillment of your potential. A fulfillment of the potential. It's not (coughs) sort of sidelining it or escaping from it. It's escaping from the the booby traps where we can short sell ourselves or make ourselves small or contracted and escape from those places where we hang out or hang on and uh, don't realize there's something greater for us. We hang on through fear. We hang on because of a contracted impression of ourselves you know, where we were, what we've come through. We've kind of, something in us wants to stay with what we know. It's not great, but it's mine. <laughs> I know how to operate in this one. It's kind of clumsy and clunky. You know, it's a 1960s model, but it sort of works. So, you know, I don't know because of the hassle of finding out a new job, a new one. There's always that sense of going forth, which means you're finding the edges, getting yourself prepared, stabilized, getting the resources to move over the edge. It's always called the going forth is one of the signature tunes of Buddhist cultivation. Whether you're doing it as a 
what's called lay life or monastic life. I think these categories have their limitations. But the spirit of it is, is to be the same. You know, wherever you find yourself contracting, holding on, and you start to sense that because you feel the sense of uh, irresolution, of feeling trapped, feeling held, sensing, thinking, getting stale or stagnant or frustrated or just running around in circles. There's something that's greater than this you need to unfold into. And it's a beautiful process to see how, how it's going to happen because if it's a true unfolding, I don't really know what's on the other side of that edge. I don't really know. But that's what faith is about, saying, yeah, I've met edges before, I didn't want to go over there. Eventually I realized I had to. <laughs> I did, and hey, you know, it was wobbly, and now something larger, wider has resulted. And what was all that hang about? What was I hanging on to that little thing for? You know? <laughs> and yet when you're hanging on to it, it's growing up, isn't it? When we go through our lives, you know, what they bring for us, the kind of, you know, child experience. And, uh, you know, it's like when you're three or four, being parented and so forth. You've got to, which is great, it's secure, but then you've got to grow out of that. You know, it's painful and clumsy and awkward, but you've got to grow out of it. And there's the, the sort of uh, how we um, form bonds with others, often very infantile crushes on people, you know, simple, simplistic, you know, you be my baby kind of thing. <laughs> Painful, embarrassing when you look back on it later. <laughs> there you go. And you can go through that one and you oh, how was I hanging on to that? And you get, hopefully, some people don't. <laughs> Just keep changing the, the actors in the play and stay in the same script. But... <laughs> It's possible to grow beyond that into something that's a little more balanced and less projected, and so on. So you get the sense of movement. And there's the things that we have to incorporate, particularly as you get older, is the sense of um, death, isn't it? You know, losing, losing the friends, the loved. I mean, first of all, it's just people moving away, and then people actually dying. You know, that's going to happen for everyone, isn't it? You know, if you're over 50 particularly, you realize a good, you know, growing percentage of your people will be the dying or the dead. You know, they'll be part of you. People you've known for 10, 20 years or more. Wow, who wants that? You know, I don't want that. Yet, that's what's coming. So, could we see that as, you know, Something that possibly, you know, in some weird way or some un, uncomfortable way, one will actually grow through you know, to be able to handle separation and uh, letting go of the loved, not rejecting it or dismissing it, but letting it go, you know, being grateful it was there and letting it go. And I think one of the things that makes, uh, you know, the sense of that that moving 
from one mode to another, including losing the past, losing the comfortable, losing the thing we're familiar with, losing the thing we are fond of, and actually moving on. One of the things that's so uh, edgy about it, or why faith is necessary, is because inclusion is such an important part of what we're about, you know, being included. So I hope, you know, when you come on a retreat, it takes a couple of days, and then finally, after maybe two or three days, you start to feel some funny feeling of being part of it. And then, ah, a little bit more settled. Uh, it's a very, it's not a, an idea, it's a very fundamental piece of, of the circuitry. You know, you're not in a vacuum, you're not in a void. If you're not included, then you're alienated in some way. You feel that, like, I don't feel comfortable here because, you know, I'm strange or don't know what's going on or who's here and what am I supposed to do. I don't see why I should do it. Then finally, oh, okay, I've got it, I'm with it. I've, I've incorporated it, I'm included, and now that's okay. And it doesn't, the inclu- inclusion doesn't necessarily mean, you know, everything is there is wonderful or fantastic or even understood, but you've somehow placed it. You're placed within it. You've got a sense of, that's fine, as long as it's 15 yards away, that's fine with me. You know, <laughs> I include that, I, I cope with that, but, you know, it's out there somewhere. I acknowledge it, its existence. It doesn't have to bother me, fine. You know? Other things are really nice to have quite close. Isn't it? And you find you place yourself. Yeah. And it uh, can be a big issue, particularly it's with people. Yeah. So uh, one of the things you find in monastic life is because of the hierarchical setup, you've always got this other monk sitting next to you, who's next in terms of vasas. And maybe, you know, he's fine if he was like, you know, like maybe six seats down, it'd be fine. <laughs> but this one has got its irritating habits. <laughs> and so on. So you actually, you've got to kind of rub a bit of, two pebbles are going to rub together. So it's okay, I can accommodate, you know, his sniffing and funny habits and the way he moves his bowl and the way he has to, you know, cough all the time or... <laughs> Take up more. So, okay, you can accommodate. And that's part of the community life, is you get a sense of being able to include, find a place in, which isn't really, um, you know, it's based on accommodating, the sense often of giving space and allowing and accepting and honoring yourself, your own needs, also honoring other people's presence. And eventually it sort of settles. Oh, you're comfortable. That's called relationship, isn't it? <laughs> and that relationship doesn't necessarily mean close. It can mean distant. And most relationships, they haven't got some distance in them, they're going to be really tempestuous and uh, <laughs> unmanageable. <laughs> yeah. So inclusion, when I say include things, I don't mean you've got to kind of, you know, 
bond or even deeply understand, but you know it, you acknowledge it, it's found a place, you're okay with that. And so through that, there's a sense of, of you've completed your karma, you know, you, you've made peace with it. You've found a place where you can be with how you are. Mm-hmm. And look at your, how you are with your sorrow. As if nobody's life, everybody's life has some sorrow in it. Not it shouldn't be there. And finding a place for our sorrow to be. You know, when it's, it's not pushed away, it's not denied, but it's not taking over where our joys can be, where they're not dominating. So that, you know, the joys, the sorrows, our confusions, the pains, people. So the, there's a sense of autonomy that's really important in, really within inclusion. You know, when it's properly balanced, you get a sense of autonomy, you know, and also inclusion. Because you can, there's a sense in which you're not identified with everything else. You're not welded to it. You don't have to approve of it or disapprove of it. You can just, mm-hmm, I acknowledge that. You're autonomous. You're not kind of caught in some kind of uh, uh, reaction to, to what's going on. And I think this is something that is very human that needs to be worked out both internally and externally you know, in one's, one's own inner realms, you might say, one's own ex- the external realms of our people and events. And in fact, till the two really become more or less, you know, the same, it's the same process actually. You know, you just, when it's material or psychological, External, internal, it's the same kind of process, working out karma, including it all. There's a story I remember reading a few years ago from a book called The Magic monastery by Father Theophane it's a story that struck me um, I couldn't, didn't know why but it, it <laughs> first it just struck me and uh, I was talking about this I may not exactly get it right as far as I remember it the seeker goes to the monastery to, to see God to meet God he goes into the church or the temple wherever it is determined you know going to meet the Almighty, the Absolute, the Ultimate here, you know. So he's praying and, you know, doing all this stuff. And his, the hours tick by, the candles start to melt down, the light changes, he's on his own. Darkness comes, you know, the candles are just flickering down to their stumps. He's, where, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? It's kind of feeling of, where is it? Where is it? You know, the search, where is, where are you, where are you? And this voice comes down, what are you leaving out? You know, what are you leaving out? (laughs) What am I leaving out? I don't know, 
What are you leaving out? So he goes, maybe the thing I've forgotten, some kind of prayer or mantra I should be doing or sacred thing I should be acting on. So I've been asked some of these monks in this monastery, what, what am I leaving out? So he goes, rushes into the, into the main monastery, starts knocking on people's doors, bang, 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 sleepy voice, well, what is it? What, are you what am I leaving out? Me! Who's this guy? So he goes to the next door, knock, 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 knocks on the door. What am I leaving out? What am I leaving out? Me! Goes to the next door, knock, knock, knock. These guys are really stuck in themselves. What am I leaving out? <laughs> Me! <laughs> Over his cell, he says, these people are just egomaniacs, you know? <laughs> what am I leaving out? So I'm getting out of this place. This place is full of e- egotists. So he rushes out runs down the road with this question in his mind, what am I leaving out? What am I leaving out? Trips on a rock and hits the ground with this question in his mind, what am I leaving out? And the earth says, me. <laughs> and he, he rolls over his back, looks up at the sky, and the sun says, me. <laughs> what are you leaving out? <laughs> so after our, our kind of sp- Spiritual research is to find the thing, isn't it? Even though, you know, to, to get to the, to get it, to get it. Yeah. And really, it's not the the sacred isn't something you get. It doesn't operate that way. Otherwise, it wouldn't be sacred. It'd be just another, my baby. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that's why you don't, the Buddha didn't really give a lot of definitions for it. He said, you know, keep your thumbprints off this thing. You're not going to start smothering it with words and ideas and, you know. Keep, keep that to yourself. <laughs> that's your business. It stands apart. But you know, what you want to know is what you're leaving out. That you can know. When you stop leaving that out, you are the sacred. <laughs> Right? Right? So if it's some kind of object, you're always leaving something out, aren't you? You're leaving out the witness. So the only way you don't leave anything out, you don't leave anything out, that's being sacred. And of course, the, the, you know, the, the detail of it is that first we're not capable of including it all. We just don't have the resources. We're too crunched up. We're too, you know, crumpled. You can't actually open enough to embrace it all. You haven't got the resources. Too unformed, you know. It's like it's when it's still, when you're three years old. You can't include reverence and respect. It doesn't work at that age. <laughs> it takes a while to get you know gratitude happening and things like that. Yet these are things that, as you 
as you begin to sense the limitations of simple grasping, simple identification, there's not only is this, it just doesn't work very well. It's not fulfilling me to something that wants to be grand and generous, not just grabbing, you know. Something that doesn't feel right unless I can be generous and loving and grateful. Then, ah, oh, that feels better, you know. Something doesn't feel right until I can actually be accepting of difficulty and difference of others. Something doesn't feel right unless I can actually meet a challenge. I don't want to just be kind of cringing from everything, you know, I don't feel good unless somehow I'm getting some challenges happening so I can actually come out of my smallness or my comfort zones or my little me states. Yeah. And there's time, you know, there's process you have to go through to actually get to, to do that development, you know, which is generally, you know, really acknowledging and paying attention. Then you tell you something you start to sense. This is dukkha. It's kind of, you know, word dukkha, which means not good enough. It doesn't quite fit. It's too small. It's too tight. It's too cramped. It's too sticky. It's that's not comfortable anymore. It's dukkha. It doesn't mean it's necessarily anguish, but it's just, you know, not doing it. So then relinquishing that, relinquishing what we're grasping to, which is much more easy to understand. You can sense the adherence and then you really need to be hold that. You really need to hold that. So when you're three years old, yeah, you do need to hold that. You know? But then when you're coming four, five, six, seven, maybe you don't. And there's a time when something is growing in after sense. Oh, I'd like to try to, to release that, to let go of that. You keep attending and finding out what you're getting out of, what, what benefits you're deriving from holding on, when eventually the act of holding on becomes more painful than the, <laughs> the benefits of letting go. <laughs> you let go. <laughs> it's as simple as that, really. This is not terrifically high mind, it's just pragmatic. When holding on gets more uncomfortable than letting go, you let go. And it doesn't happen until that happens. So certainly with meditation, we're, we're priming that because we're looking very closely at how that happens, at the sense of the, the tensions that are involved in trying to be and hold and become and you know, have an opinion or something. Oh, enough. You know? <laughs> and you find, oh, when you let go, you don't just kind of collapse or conk out or go psychotic. You know, the strange, spacious, emotional flushes move around them. All right. Yeah, okay. Because when that's carried through with attention, attention is a careful thing, then you're always unfolding awareness in every part of that process. So the awareness is there to catch you, to hold you. You may be aware of feeling, you know, slightly estranged or difficult, and then finally that's resolved. So letting go is not such a, a finger snap process, but it is something where, you know, there's a building up, a realization to need to let go, 
deep breath perhaps and then we put something aside and first of all it's, it's a bit strange and new and then we're aware of that and finally we form in a, in a larger pattern we form in terms of clarity or in terms of spaciousness or in terms of compassion or in terms of steadiness you know we find form comes back to us a subtle form a sense of presence and that's the beauty of that is the more that you begin to understand this you get the faith that you know whatever I will be I'll be okay you know I'll be okay I'll be different but it will change me but basically I'll be okay the basic formative process will continue I'll be present with a slightly different form. I find another way of being stable. My sense of relatedness will change. Different people, but you know, whatever, that will still be there for me. Those are innate. Awareness will always allow the generation of a subtle form. By a subtle form, I don't obviously I'm not referring to physical form. I'm referring to you might say psychological form, emotional form, energetic form. Yeah. So, do you understand what I mean? It's just kind of, um, you know, maybe I'll be less. Um, for example, you might be not in a, in a leading position. You might be in a, another position, but you can come to peace with that. It's like you move from being a parent to being a grandparent. That's a, that's a change of form, isn't it? Um, you might move from being a single person to being a married person, that's a change of form, subtle form, obviously your body remains the same. There's a certain sense of shifting that occurs. Might become go into being a monastic, there's a change of form, subtle form. Um, or being more reclusive, or whatever, or in community. Um, and then obviously internal forms, such as one becomes perhaps more expressive or more silent. You know, or you become suddenly you find you're more emotionally voluble or more emotionally um, equanimous, for example. You know, things shift, and yet you're comfortable with that. You're not straining to be something. You find a level within that. So those things kind of happen for us, um, and we become slightly different. And that's kind of interesting, isn't it? To see how this personalization, these forms, which one seems so much to be, it's okay to let them change and shift and be this and be that. Because it's all just stuff to learn from. And you include it. You get a form that can include wider and wider ranges of the human experience, including eventually death itself which becomes something that no longer carries terror or loss with it. One way of referring to inclusion is that easy senses, um, we might say the love sense, and use the word with some caution, because it's a, it's a word, a little compact word that carries a whole span of meanings, often is trivialized, seems or short-changed. It's, it's a reduced meaning to perhaps something 
more on an amorous or erotic nature, or sometimes, you know, different emotional temperatures involved in that. Um, Because there's a whole range of it. But it really means a sense of inclusion. That whatever is there, I I can be with that, I can sense it, I can feel it, I can be with it. It can be energy, there can be interchange. Yeah, so generally in terms of retreat, you find after all, there's a kind of general quality of mutual respect and okayness and comfort and compassion and you know, enjoyment. There's a love experience starts to happen, even without, perhaps because we don't talk to each other. <laughs> you know, they go through this kind of whole personality mesh up to sort of sort all that out I think it's fine because you can t- meeting people at the level of being is a lot easier <laughs> it's really simple <laughs> and you get a sense of warm heartedness and appreciation and, and uh, well wishing kind of it's a natural thing that occurs uh, or on a group retreat if you're prepared to really accept and say, we are on a group retreat. I'm sorry, there's 98 other people here. You can't just sit on your little square and shut everybody out, you know. <laughs> Doesn't mean you've got to, you know, have a big sharing experience with everybody else, but just a sense of, you know, he goes, now he's getting in front of me first, and I'll do the washing up and this kind of thing, and, you know, moving around in harmony, and just that. In the sense that we, we sense we're here together, a certain level of, you know, routines that we try to follow and moral training and rules we try to follow. As a sense, just within that, without any further thing, naturally, what happens if you don't hold back from that? You know? And sometimes, you know, we have different people have different abilities to be with that. You know, some people it's extremely challenging to be with 95 other people. It's not that they've been deliberately that way, it's just, you know, I kind of like I'm only normally with myself or one other person. It's a lot to take on. So it takes time. So also there's a sense of you allowing people to find their autonomy within a form. Just make it what you can do, comfortable, and try to develop that sense of including it all. It's for your own welfare you get confidence. And the most important thing, I think, for all of us is to be able to experience that sense of what I'm calling love, yeah. mutuality, mm-hmm. a sense of shared sense. Without that, pretty bleak, isn't it? Is it one of our strange, you know, paradoxes? You know, could be an individualistic society, do-it-yourself, you know, lone ranger kind of thing, and yet also you know, wanting to be with others, wanting to belong to something. I want to belong to something as long as it's not a group. (laughs) 
because you know you want, to, want autonomy as well, you want autonomy and also to belong, and, uh, and that's that's the sense of the the, the fineness that's required. Because I think that's actually completely sensible to be autonomous and also to sense of you know I'm respected, I'm included, I'm part of this. You know, I feel I can relate to you in some way. Then I feel comfortable. And within that, of course, the opportunities I think that we all need is to be able to somehow bring through this individual system something that can be offered. Something that can be offered. Put it out there. It's a poem, smile, spoonful of rice, sense of presence, being here, you know. Feeling that that's what inclusion's about, and that whatever it is, if it's just one smile, if it's just the fact that I'll turn up on and sit there, then that's my bit. That's what I can offer at this time, and it's value. It's part of what uh, this is about. These are, you know, when you get down to the, to really understanding it, you're seeing it doesn't have to be that much. It doesn't have to be that close. It doesn't have to be that strong and powerful and, you know, stunning and fantastic and best. It's just whatever you do, your bit is part of it, including your own sense of, you know, commitment, aspiration and suffering. Whatever you're suffering, recognize other people have had this, will have had this <laughs> too. <laughs> Other people experience this too. So you get some sense of compassion comes with that. So including, what are we leaving out? We include all beings. And that's the way that that love really matures into something that's not um, just sentiment, sanity. Just always remember that uh, one of the fundamental qualities, things we do know about the Buddha as something that can be observed where whatever Nibbana, you know, However, that is experienced. What we do know is that the Buddha arose from that. You know, lifted from that, came into this. The word Tathagata, which is often the word the Buddha used, is an interesting word because it can mean either thus gone or thus come. In some ways, he is gone, gone beyond definition, gone beyond limitation, gone beyond birth and death. In some ways, he is thus come. He is coming into the world of finitude, of people, of events, of history, of of personality. He is coming right into this. And because he is both, this is why the Buddha is trackless. You can't say he's this, you can't say he's not this. You can't say he's not a body, you can't say he is a body. You know, it's just the definitions are blown out. But his coming into is something that we can 
track and is coming into, it's based upon is what's called anukampati, on anukampang, which means something like compassion, although the word karuna is mostly used for compassion. So we might say something like uh, um, empathy. Or literally the word anukampa means to, to tremble together with, or to tremble, to resonate, you might say. Something is feeling something, therefore he resonates with that. He senses it. So that's it. That's the principle <laughs> that gets the Buddha here. Yeah. Into this. Yeah. And saying, you know, this sense of resonating for the suffering of all beings. Kind of sensing it. And then drawn into this. Because of that. And then the doors of the deathless are open, you know, including all those who wish to. The doors are open. I'm opening up. He's saying, I'm including you. It's up to you to whether you include me or not. <laughs> That's your thing. I'm not going to go out dragging people in, as if you could. Yeah. But the invitation is there. And that's, that's, that's it, isn't it? He's autonomous. He's saying, I don't mind if nobody hears this. In one way, I don't, you know, I don't mind if nobody... But, so I'm autonomous. I'm not looking to be the great whatever. But because there's inclusion, I'll present it. I, you know, I include you. Whether you include me is your process and practice. At first he didn't think anybody would. And he thought maybe one or two might. His teachers found out they died. Okay, so he thought of the five people. Interesting enough, these were the five people who had rejected him. You know, said he'd gone soft, flunked, failed out of ascetic high school. <laughs> Copped out. Yeah. Or into milk rice. <laughs> it always catches them in the end, these ascetics. Milk rice, you know. The last hurdle. <laughs> so it's kind of, you know, you think, you think, you could think, I should include those guys. <laughs> and yet he, you know, so, so he wasn't basing it upon that, but just on, we were together for a while, you know, so perhaps they have the possibility to start there, and so that's the way it goes. Like tremendous um, resonance, which is more than just whether you like people or not, but you can kind of, you know, sense of, these are people who aspire, you know, they were keen. They're aspiring. They were prepared to make commitments. They were prepared to struggle a bit. Maybe they were crazy. But there's something there that could aspire. Therefore, whether they, we liked each other or not, or, you know, put that to one side because I resonate with the, their aspiration body. And that's a, that certainly is a way in which we can meet others. We can include others. 
certainly in, in sangha life, in monastic life, it's pretty much like that. You know, you get kinds of people turning up, coming in from different places. Hard, pretty often, pretty idiosyncratic. You know, and all all kind of main street people. They're just sort of people who are marginals, um, <laughs> various kinds. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not including my blessed colleagues here <laughs> who are really straight well adjusted normal people <laughs> certainly I include myself as a marginal <laughs> and I've met quite a few and uh, so actually just the sense of uh, well, I, I can respect the aspiration. Anybody who commits to training and precepts and sitting with themselves and being in this, well, you have my respect. And that's, 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 that's the kind of love. Yeah. Yeah. So you have these, in, I think, in, before we seem to crop it all down, and I mean, even the, even, well, in the, the Greek philosophy had four different kinds. And the first was, Kind of most primary is eros, which means uh, which is the first way in which we begin to sense otherness, you know, and recognise you can connect to that, you can include it. But it's a very simple kind of relationship, which is just complete identification merging with the object. You know, so you have that that possibility, eros, which other human beings you can have erotic relationships with cars. <laughs> sometimes it's safer than humans they don't talk back um, you know food you have erotic relationships with even ideas poetry music we just kind of blend with it you know and then of course the what we do recognize is is uh, you know oh yeah that was great but oh, it's suddenly separated from me yeah. so then there's that you know pain, so something you realize you've got to widen out a bit more than that, that one and uh, so you have one called uh, philia, which means sort of friendship, mutual friendship so you get certainly monastic life, you get this sense with, with uh, many people get friendships, which are more like uh, uh, um, mutuality experiences, mm. kind of peer senses, same level senses. Mm. So this is a strong feature, I think, in monastic life, and it's different for different different people. Particularly, say for you know, you get people form bonds around in different ways. Because I've been my monasteries are mostly monks and nuns, and it's quite interesting, to put it mildly, um, to, to sense the, the differences in the re- relationship, you know, how people form these kind of friendship things. And you see, with men, you generally talk about what you're doing, what you have done, or a gadget. Well, that, that's 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 warm, you know. That's <laughs> it is. It's true. That's the way. That's the way we bond. I mean, you guys all understand that. You don't want to 
sit around and talk about your feelings, but you want to talk about your car or your house or your building project, you know. So you get a group of adjuncts together. Sooner or later it comes around to latest software or the kind of roofing material you can use in your cootie. And you feel warmed by that. <laughs> and then for, for women, it doesn't quite work like that. <laughs> and I'd be rash to say, wouldn't I, to say what it is. <laughs> Suddenly all these female eyes be looking at me. <laughs> But you know what it's like, don't you? <laughs> You've got to sit around and talk. Talk about what's happening, feeling things, and what you shared how it's felt. You know, and guys go, oh God, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to get a hammer and knock something instead. <laughs> and yet it's warm, you know. Can be intense and all kinds of pains and sorrows get expressed, and yet eventually the feeling is one of settled warmth and shared and met, and the energies are blended. And that's the common feature of both of those particular patterns. You know, there's a sense of, you know, our energies have come out, met other people's energies, they've been received and met, and they've found each other, and ah, yeah, we're included. You know, we're part of the same thing, and we feel comfortable. That's friendship. You have another form which I, I think uh, was called, is a sense of uh, mother or, or um, parenting where you look after things. This, this storge is the Greek word for it. The fourth, third come, which is a little, moves a little bit bigger than that because actually now what you're doing is trying to make it spacious, a kind of comfortable space. You're more attuned not so much to the, to the details so much as holding the whole thing, holding the pattern. It's a little more altruistic in a way. You know, so you know, certainly for myself, motherhood arrived when I became the abbot of a monastery. <laughs> but they <laughs> didn't quite tell, tell me that at the time. So you're just trying to hold the whole thing, let, make sure it's okay for everybody, certain sense of protection of what the place is about and may all beings be well. You know. uh, of course, the, um, the, the, uh, the bit that sometimes gets left out <laughs> in that is me. You know. So you always got to you know, get a sense of you know, the limitations of these forms. You know, it's how caregivers who form that kind of relationship can get exhausted. And uh, certainly this happens for um, in monastic life too. Leading people, sometimes just end up burning out and leaving. Because they haven't been able to really take care and respect their own individuality. This is very sad. So the final sense is, I think the Greek word for it is agape, which means you're aligned to truth, to, uh, which includes 
you know, me waking up in the morning, looking after my, this particular being, realizing I don't look after this being, I'm not going to be able to look after other people. You know, it's my responsibility. I can't ask everyone else to, you know, know exactly what I need. Um, and then feeling one has the, the sense of the, the inclusion that, yes, your individual needs are also included in that. Don't leave the me out. Don't leave any of it out. And it's a matter of really sensing what we are mis- when we do miss things out, something dries up, something is not completed, something becomes a strain. And, uh, of course, you know, inclusion means all beings as a meaning, but not all beings literally. <laughs> you understand? Saying, so in other words, I'm not excluding anybody, but I'm not actually going to go to Nicaragua, um, you know, um, Dahomey, Cape, you know, whatever, every, to try and get everybody. I can extend it to, to include, to, you know, I'm not leaving anybody out. And then whoever wants to come into that, or can come into that, whether the karma is, then finding room for those. You know? So it's, it's a sense of, of that mind become limitless but recognizing actually that the particular physical manifestation is limited. So as for the Buddha, in his time, he certainly went around with that intention, but perhaps the number of people who actually were able to pick up what he was talking about were rather small compared with the number of people there were. But then the sense of, of this agape is like, I trust the truth. I trust the process. You know, what I can do, what this form can manifest and do, I'll be with that. With its including even its sense of its finitude, its lifespan, its capacities and non-capacities. Mm-hmm. So we, think we sort of include also our limitations with respect and care. Do you understand? Yeah. It's not an idealistic thing. It's uh, how we translate that movement of inclusion to you know, where it becomes also... Um, Something we can't, we can't determine. It will include that which can be included. It goes as wide as it can be within the range of this particular form. And the faith and the trust is that, because that, there's been no, no sense of contracting or closing down, or clinging or holding on, that that which can be included will come in. Mm-hmm. That which can be included, but it's in a way it's like the Buddha saying, "I'm including everybody, 
whether you come in or not, it's up to you. Not shutting anybody out. So, of course, people outside of the Ganges Valley wouldn't be able to hear what he was saying. People in other countries and so forth wouldn't be able to be included. It's not that wasn't the Buddha's intention. That's just the limitations of this particular form on this planet at this time. And for all of us, that's, that's the same truth. If we don't understand that, we get confused, or we get arrogant, or we get uh, messianic. <laughs> is a point at which you say honestly I've done all I can I'm doing all I can in this particular form and there's peace in that so even something like uh, you know so you while you're measuring this with attention and awareness, you can have that, that movement to wider and wider spheres of compassion and concern and relationship and subtleties of relationship, that kind of wonderful movement that you can move through when you begin to sense the natural call of the human spirit the natural sense of how it starts to evolve and feel comfortable, what essentially its unfolding is about. The sense of that, and you begin to sense where it's being held back through delusion, fascination, obsession, fear, and how we can dissolve, acknowledge those boundaries and sense, this is painful. Could I be? Could I release this? Could I be away from this? Could I? Could I understand the ignorance in this and clear this, so that that movement of spirit can continue to as wide and subtle a sphere as it will? There's a humility in that, you know. Also, I don't really know where that will go. That will be. But that's what we're all doing. You know, where you were ten years ago and now. Did you know that this is where you'd be <laughs> in yourself, you know, in your own mind states, in your own interest, in your own circumstances? And yet you made it, didn't you? and if it's been carried through with attention and awareness nothing's really been lost all of the errors or the discomforts or the trials they've all been assimilated you know you've learnt something you've resolved something you've become wiser steadier spacious fearless And of course, when we come to a meditation time and that introspection, it's the chance to check. Because sometimes we've moved on, we haven't actually resolved. We just jumped, or we skipped, or we got pushed. Or you've got something, somebody's dead, you haven't actually buried it yet. You haven't really finally finished that. 
or something was hurt, and you haven't actually really healed that. So we now, in our practice, come back and the voices start to speak, don't they? What about me? <laughs> me you left me out. <laughs> you left me out. You know? We go, God, how do you get these guys out of the way so I could find truth? <laughs> got these voices shut up so I could find silence and I could get the silence, the truth, the clarity, the ultimate thing if you get these silly, stupid, irritating, twittering feelings out of the way. <laughs> so that I could get there, get the truth. You know, that's exactly what the story, isn't it? And if you included those, you'd be the truth. <laughs> You're never going to find it. You have to live it. And that's, surely that's about living with that movement of spirit to awareness, to compassion, to resonance, to unfolding. Include it all. So when you, you know, Take it in a moment at a time, isn't it, with what arises. To include it all doesn't mean to have it figured, to understand it, to feel wonderful about it. It means you've come to terms with it. You're no longer tightening up around it, bristling around it, grabbing hold of it, running away from it. You've met it. Passion, irritation, wandering mind, frustrations. And you've met it, you've heard it, you've unfolded within that. You're no longer tightening up around that. And then then it's, it's been heard. It can finish. Something to be learned. 